In a previous co-talk, we spoke about offline data. Let's scratch the surface a little bit more. Hi, I'm Ian Thane. Welcome to another SAP co-talk. And I'm really pleased to have another friendly engineer, another actually an engineer who is a friend of mine I used to work with years ago, David Brando. David, thank you uh, for joining me from Waterloo. Yeah, good to talk to you again, Ian. Excellent. So we know each other from ages back, a previous Sybase life with things like PowerJ and uh, EA server and anything like that. But the audience doesn't know you, so give them a little bit of intro. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, my name is David Brando. I've been with SAP via acquisition for well over 20 years. Um, I've been doing application development that whole time and mobile the last uh, too many years of that. Um, so right now I'm the director of engineering and I head up the offline Odata team. Excellent. So last time on the a code talk, as I said, right at the start, we spoke to uh, Matt and Matt sort of gave the big picture. But I wanted to use some of your time today just to scratch a surface and go a little bit deeper. And don't worry, guys, if it's not deep enough for you, we'll get, that, get Dave back and we uh, we'll make sure we chain him to the chair until he gives us another interview. Uh, so, David, um, when, you know, obviously, uh, I've always said in the past, I spoke to you uh, beforehand that I use this phrase, um, up a pole, down a hole, meaning that, that networks, some people think they're ubiquitous, you know, networks are always going to be there. But you, you and I know from our past history that, you know, that's not always the case. And we have to cater for offline uh, data. So the, my big question to you is, and let's start at the beginning, how do we get the data from the back end onto our mobile device via the uh, SAP Cloud Platform Mobile Services? It's a, it's a good question. And, and in some ways, one of the biggest parts of that question is, how do I get only the data I want down to the device? You probably have a huge subset of data for all your users sitting back there, and you need to define, how am I going to get just the part I want for this user to his device? So what you do when, you, when you're on the device and your application decides it wants to connect, you're going to specify a list of defining require, what we call defining requests or, or queries, effectively select statements. <clears throat> And those can have arbitrary filters in them. So you can say, I, I want you know, only the customers from the East Coast or only the customers from the UK. Um, but again, you can add as many clauses in there as you want. Um, and then that request is going to be sent to the back end. Um, so indirectly. So what we're doing is you're going to accumulate this list of select statements, in essence, uh, as OData queries. They're going to be sent to the offline OData server. And then it's going to send it to the OData back end get the responses. If those, if you've marked those as being shared, then it's going to keep a copy of that data in, in the middle tier in the offline or data server. Um, and then either way, it's going to send all those responses back to the client. And of course, you're sending it with user credentials. So that, that data that the backend sends can be user specific. You wouldn't want to do that in the case of shared data, obviously. But um, that subset on the client, <clears throat> now you can be offline. Um, you can be up a pole or down a hole for as long as you want from that point forward. So, yeah. But actually, sort of on the, uh, without going too deep, because we'll save it for another one, what's, what, what are we actually doing at the back end? So we're, we're, we're getting this data, but are we putting it into a database or how are we transferring it onto the device? 
It's a good, yeah, it's a good question. So we're using a, a technology on the device called Ultralight and a technology on the server called MobileLink. Um, and these have been around for decades um, through the, the Sybase acquisition. So these are, this is a, a very robust technology. Um, and so what we're doing is we're taking that OData response from the back end, um, trans, transforming it to populate a database, an Ultralight database on the, on the middle tier, um, and then and then using MobileLink to synchronize that with the database that ends up on the client. So that's how that's going to end up working. So our so SDK, that, uh, sorry, Dave. So our SDK uh, for iOS on the client is actually querying uh, an ultralight database. Yeah, but it doesn't know it's doing that in a sense, right? So yeah. the, the client is using the, the the iOS SDK using OData APIs. Um, and then locally, it's accessing that that ultralight database that we've built up for them. Okay, so now we've come down from uh, our pole or up from our hole, uh, as a, like an engineer would be if they were sort of doing uh, some work on uh, high electric and or down at a sort of a drain, uh, and we want to get that data that's locally on our device back. So maybe we've done some sort of uh, inspection. We've got we've got the update of that inspection. We then send it back. How do we get that back to our backend data. Yeah, so what you've been doing all that time as you've been making changes, you've been creating new inspections or updating records or whatever, you've been issuing requests. So create requests or merge requests or whatever, um, putting links, doing binds, whatever it is you're doing. And so we've been accumulating a list of all the requests that you've been firing. Um, and then we've been reflecting those changes against the local copy of the data. So you get an updated version of the data. Um, but that is sort of a simulation of what we think we have a very educated reason to believe is going to happen on the back end when you do the update, when you do the delete, when you do the create. Um, so once you're back into an area where you've got network connectivity, expensive, hopefully, um, then you can do what we call a flush or an upload <clears throat> and, and send that data. So what you're going to do, we're going to send those requests, not the data itself, just the request. We're going to send the request to the offline OData server. It's going to issue them to the, the, the OData backend, get the responses. Um, and if there's any errors, it's going to populate a special table called the error archive. So once you've finished doing the upload, you can look at a, at a local error archive table and see if there were any errors that the backend reported during that process. So the flush isn't flushing the database out; it's, it's sending the the deltas back. Sending the yeah, sending the requests, the local changes you've made to the backend. Okay, right. Okay, yeah. and then obviously it's up to the developer to to go through that error table and, and make any any changes or anything. And I suppose then reissue, reissue a flush. I guess is that right? Yeah. So I mean, it depends. So you have to be the application has to be smart. Um, so you have to be able to look at the error archive and go, is you know what caused this error? Was it a data conflict? Some other user updated the data before I got a chance to, um, or was there a problem with the data? It wasn't properly validated on the client before it was sent. So what you can do is correct those requests uh, by patching them, um, and then you can reissue that upload. And then the new request, the patch request that you send, will then presumably succeed the second time around. Um, yeah. So hopefully, a well-designed mobile app, you wouldn't be stamping on other people's data. So you know that. You know, but then obviously that that can happen. So okay. So we've brought the data down. We've made changes to data. We've pushed the data back. 
But obviously, in the meantime, that back end, let's give you a scenario, we may have some more sort of calls. If we're a, a maintenance worker, we may have the next location we need to go to. How about then getting that back down to the mobile uh, database? Right. Yeah, so that's the reverse. That's the, we used to call refresh or the download where I'm downloading the changes back to the device. And it, so it's a, it's a, if we were going to call it, the, the first process is the initial download, the first time you populate all the data. Um, this time we're just updating, doing a Delta download. We're just, we just want to download the changes. Um, and so if the backend has Delta tokens enabled, or if you decide to enable them in the offline or data server, if your backend doesn't support it, then you're only going to get the changes pulled down to the device. Um, and so what it's going to do, it's it's going to update. Uh, so it, it now has a, a new version of the, the server copies of the data. So, so remember when I said earlier, when we apply those requests, um, we're going to also have those requests affect the local copy of the data. Mm -hmm. But those are guesses as to what it's going to do. So once we get that, that delta from the back end, we no longer have to guess. We now know we now know exactly what the server did to the data. So we're going to kind of throw away our guesses, if you will. We're going to replace the, the, the copy of the data with the server copy of the data. And then we'll reapply any outstanding changes that haven't been uploaded yet. Um, so that's sort of that process that's going to happen. Okay, so you mentioned actually something in that reply that just sparked off another thought for me. So we, the back end, you know, we're, we're talking uh, probably the scenario of maybe a maintenance system being based upon an SAP back end. What, what actually needs to be in that back end to, to support offline OData? So the, the glib answer is it just needs to support OData v2, um, and, then, and then we can support it. Um, and, and hopefully in the very near future, that'll be V4 as well. Um, but um, just because we can support it doesn't mean it's gonna scale well. Um, so there are some things that, that you can do in the back end um, to make it uh, a better scalable solution. Um, so the first I mentioned already was Delta support. Mm -hmm. um, so, so if we don't have Delta support, so let me talk about the worst case scenario. If we don't have Delta support, then every time we want to make a minor update, what's changed in the last 15 minutes since the last time I did an upload um, or a download, um, we have to re-request -re all the data all over again, mm -hmm. pull it down to the middle tier, and then do our own comparison, what changed, what changed, what changed, and then send only the small changes to the client. Or if for some weird reason you turn that off, it would send all the changes every time down to the client. Those would both be bad from a scalability perspective. If it's a small data load, it's not that big a deal. But generally, most of our customers have big data loads, so it's it's a bad idea. Um, so with Delta support, what we do, the first time we do that request, uh, the, the server, uh, having implemented Delta support, it's going to send back a Delta token, which is which is usually implemented as a timestamp. Um, so it sort of says, okay, I sent you this data, here's this token. And then the next time we say, give me the data, we're going to send down, send back that token with the request. And so the server can then say, okay, what changed since the last time I sent you this token and where I am today? That's why they're normally timestamps. Um, and so then it can run its own calculation and figure out what changed between this point in time and this point in time for this user or for these requests, calculate a very small delta, and then send that very small delta along. Um, and that's critically important from a scalability perspective. Um, some other things that, that are also important uh, when it comes to your the metadata that you've designed, 
um, it helps us locally on the client um, to figure out what entities are related to one another if you've got navigation properties and referential constraints established so that we can create those tables locally so that we know employees are related to customers and how, whether it's a one-to-many or not. Um, the one caveat, I guess, in that area, I would really stay away from many-to-many -many relationships. Um, what we've talked to with customers in the past, it's better to have uh, an intermediary table. <clears throat> so have a many-to-one and then a one-to-many mm -hmm. instead of a direct many-to-many -many relationship. And that way we can know what's related to what and how. Um, some other thing, server-side paging. Server-side paging can be important. So if you don't, so that's basically being able to say, give me the top 200 records, give me the next 200 records. Um, otherwise you have to send it all in one giant response. <clears throat> and the response size can blow past limits. Um, so I, I would definitely implement server-side paging. And then if you can also implement e-tag support. Um, so basically when we were talking about conflict resolution before, um, so when you when you send an entity, you can send an e-tag with it <clears throat> that sort of marks it and says this is the state the entity's in. Um, and then when you do an update, if someone else has modified it in the past, the e-tag will have changed. And so the e-tags and the update don't match and the server rejects it. It knows enough to reject it. Otherwise, it's got to figure out who wins sort of thing. Um, so so e-tag support isn't technically in the v2 spec but i would strongly recommend implementing in the back end so that you can do conflict resolution in the server more easily cool good um actually right you know we, we, we mentioned right at the start about getting that initial load so defining uh the the request the queries that will bring that data down what happens and obviously again this is probably part of really good mobile uh, data design, but what happens if, like, you've uh, you've rolled that app out and you realise maybe you just need a little bit more data from you know the entities on the back end? You know, how forgiving is it? So there's there's two ways you can change it, and we're really forgiving about the first, and we're pretty unforgiving about the second. <laughs> so start with the easy one. So if you're making additive changes, non-breaking changes, so you're you're adding a field to an existing entity, you're adding a new entity, that sort of change. Um, then we're very forgiving. Um, so you don't have to rebuild your app or, or change any design. We will automatically detect that the metadata has changed. And we'll rebuild our tables. <clears throat> uh, we'll repopulate them. Um, you will end up effectively doing an initial download again. So mm -hmm. we'll have to repopulate all the data again as if you installed it for the first time. But you don't have to change your app or anything. It just automatically happens. Any existing requests that were sitting in a queue will still succeed. Um, I mean, they might be missing fields <clears throat> if there's new fields or whatever, but but those requests can continue and everything goes along well. Um, version of it, the 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 sad version of it is if you make breaking changes. Um, so if you take away a field rather than just deprecating it, if you remove an entity, that sort of thing, if you break a relationship or change a relationship from a one to many to a many to many or something, um, that's a big problem. Um, it's not something we can do in a graceful way, um, or in some cases even detect in a graceful mm -hmm. way. Um, and, and the most important reason why is because those outstanding requests will no longer succeed, can't ever succeed. Um, and so any work that your users have done locally and haven't haven't been able to upload yet, 
could very well be lost. Um, and that's a disaster. So what we what we really recommend if if well, first of all, don't make breaking changes. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know that, yeah. Yeah. So if you if you if you need to, you know, if you need a field, you want it to go away, just deprecate it. Don't use it anymore. Leave it there, but don't don't take it away. If you do have to make breaking changes, which is which happens, I understand, particularly in a rapid development cycle like we are with mobile apps, switch to a new endpoint. So leave the old endpoint there with the old metadata, switch to a new one, and then have your app switch to use the new endpoint at some point. Um, and then you can have a graceful transition again. You do have to make an addition, a change to your app, um, but you want it to be graceful. Uh, and that's the way to achieve that, switch to a new endpoint, yeah. Excellent. David, we've spent some great uh, moments with you, uh, got some good uh, information down. I'm sure the audience, the Talk audience, would. Uh, send us uh, any uh, comments and questions. So we may be returning, maybe each of these uh, five questions that I asked you, we'll delve a little bit deeper and we'll get a little bit more of Mr. Brando's time. Uh, but thank you for joining me today, David. Really appreciate it and great seeing you again. Yeah, no, it was a pleasure. Good talking to you again, Ian. And any time, any time.